Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Game Table! It is The Game Table. I'm Seamus Byrne. Thank you for joining the show. Once again, this is the show where we focus on all things real tables, real uh, getting together to play video games, play video games, to play normal games, play the not video games. But at the moment, we're playing real games through the magic of video-related technologies. Um, And here with me this evening, Luke Lancaster, how are you? I am doing, uh, I guess, as well as can be considered in uh, the current situation that everyone finds himself in yeah uh no no complaints uh safe and healthy and playing way more games than i was two weeks ago (laughs) look it really does feel like it's you know a nerd's time to shine um and you know again not to kind of reduce the crisis that we really really are in the midst of and this is quite horrible but at least yeah, I feel like there is this educational potential that we have to help other people discover that games are actually a really wonderful entertainment format, particularly when you're trying to think of things you can do that helps you catch up with people um, and feel at least <coughs> that is not a virus, I'm, I'm sure. Um, and, you know, and really kind of feel like you are hanging out with people rather than just kind of staring into space and vaguely typing messages at each other. So, yeah, I think it's uh, it's good times. And I know, you know, we've all been more and more progressively isolating ourselves. But, Luke, you've been doing it more than most given that you've just spent uh, two weeks fully isolated after a Yeah, <laughs> I just got back from the US. So I was on uh, house arrest for 14 days, which ended today. Uh, and it was nice to go grocery shopping and see something that wasn't the inside of my house yeah and i mean uh, but, look you know yeah. th- thankful i guess that you weren't after the house arrest in a hotel type mode oh yeah that would have been woeful being put up in a luxurious <laughs> hotel for two weeks <laughs> though i i did see things like you know there um the notices are things like that you know there is no um there's no sort of uh, cleaning service um you can request sheets and change them yourself um things like that so you know there is a little bit of that not full service hotel experience going on but still if you manage to get a nice view uh somewhere near the water that you know there's worse things to do yeah unless the internet goes down then then (laughs) (laughs) oh man uh we had to change isps just because our node was getting hammered this is amazing i mean it is such a regular story on the main Bite Side show uh, the other day talking to uh, Nick Healy about exactly the same thing where it's like that sudden question in mind of like, is it time I explore other ISPs? And, you know, we're debating that whole CVC issue because you're like, this should be transparent. We should be able to compare people on literally the one thing they can choose to do to skimp out on giving us enough for our neighbourhood or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, games. So, games. Um, 
I I actually do want, you know, so we're going to delve into the whole question of, you know, last time uh, we did the game table, we were really looking at a lot of the kind of the big picture thoughts on all these different uh, online table technologies and stuff like that and how we can get together for this sort of stuff. Um, But I know that, you know, since that conversation, I've started actually playing with some of this stuff. I know you've been doing some of it and even doing just some fun taking photos and sharing them on Twitter um, to make a game happen. So I think it'll be cool to get into some more specifics about what we've been up to. So um, you know, why don't you run me through some of the kinds of games you've actually been playing? You said RPGs, but you know, how have you been putting that stuff together and well, how I'll, has it been working? I'll jump in on that uh, that Twitter thing that you just mentioned. So yeah. from, the, from the PAX Twitter account, this is something I kicked off this morning, actually. Uh, one of my all-time favorite two-player games is called Mr. Jack. Uh, It's an asymmetric deduction game where one player plays as Jack the Ripper. The other player is a detective trying to discern which of eight characters is Jack the Ripper. Right. And it's all about very strategic movement and use of abilities uh, to eliminate suspects. And the only way the detective can eliminate suspects is at the end of the turn, Jack will say Jack is one of the visible characters or Jack is one of the characters in the dark. Ah, And so it's kind of isolating people through movement yeah so the detective eliminates as many as possible but also stops jack from getting too close to a board edge because they can escape if they get off a board edge right so it's just a really tight really cool uh two-player movement game uh that doesn't really have hidden information for the detective so i thought that would be a perfect one to play over twitter because i could just take a photo of the board and quickly explain all the movement abilities and the rules and someone playing as the detective the detective could just say, move this character here, and I could kind of do all the movement remotely and just post updated photos of the board state every turn. Perfect. Uh, and it, it, it seems to be going really well. Um, and the rules took a little bit longer to explain than I thought they thought they would take, but that's kind of always the way. 280 uh, characters at a time. Yep, yep. <laughs> uh, my favourite thing about it, though, is there's been one person who seems to be doing... Uh, the majority, if not all, of the detective moves who has their own board set up and it's almost like chess play-by-post style. (laughs) That is great. So that we are each making the other players' moves to represent on our board state how the game is progressing, which is just... Which is just really nice, and it feels very old school. Yeah, I lo- that really does. It feels like such a play-by-mail kind of an experience. That is so cool. Yeah, um, and I definitely think this experiment uh just because we've been thinking about how to engage people on social media because everyone's stuck at home and how to play games that aren't games that you would typically play in that kind of medium um so we're definitely looking to explore more easy to pick up easy to like kind of just see a photo not much hidden information uh that you can play by that so um i'm I'm running a discord as well just for people to kind of hang out and chat for through the day as they're all working from home uh, and in that chat, I'm running Mysterium, oh, which cool. is uh, a deduction game as well. They seem to be very good for this because you present a limited set of information that a lot of the a lot of the game happens in a player's head. Yeah. Uh, so this is a game which is uh, you've got kind of like a Cluedo setup where every player needs to work out a suspect, murder weapon, and location. But as the person running the game, you give them these very interpretive abstract cards that suggest one of those things over another and then they need to try to guess which of those things are theirs and which belong to other players to try to solve each motor case that they're on 
Uh, and again, the way we're playing that is just taking photos of the cards and posting them to people on, on Discord. So there's a little bit of labor that's going into those kinds of things, but they're, they're playing quite closely to what the traditional across the table from someone else experience would be. Yeah. Uh, and they're still using the physical components, which is something that I really like, as opposed to jumping to a completely digital version yeah. of a board game. Yeah. Um. So when you're saying you're posting the the photos to people, like is there some of that? So some of that is hidden information and you're only sending that to the specific players in uh, no, each so- virtual seat or you're just posting it openly to that group? The, I'm posting those clues openly because they can yeah. be open. Yeah, right. Uh, yep. There is hidden information that I have as the ghost, which is the character who runs the game, oh, okay. which yep. is what every person's individual case is that they're trying to guess. Yeah. So everyone has a different suspect murder weapon location, oh, uh, yeah, and yeah. I have kind of a big matrix of all of that that the yeah. other players don't see. Yeah. Uh, which which is kind of useful for a setup like this because I can keep that information completely hidden because there's no way they could see that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really cool. And, like, how have – I mean, particularly with that Twitter game today, with um, how you – know, how have you been running it as kind of one uh, – just one sort of continuous thread so anybody could sort of, you know, scroll back to the start and, and catch up yeah, quickly? Yeah, So uh, I've – I, I have been trying to keep it in a single thread. Uh, and again, just because it's taking so many posts, just normal Twitter courtesy so people can mute that thread if they don't want to see that whole thing. Yeah, yeah, that's actually yeah, um, that's a really good point. But yeah, keeping it threaded, I think, is close to a necessity if you're doing it publicly just because it will get quite long and you will want to check earlier turns for yeah. you know various movements and character choices and that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, it, but it's funny. It's almost like it almost feels like as much as certain people have made the choices along the path, um, you know, you could almost then read it again as a mystery to like see how many, yeah, <laughs> can you solve it before you get to the solution? At the yeah, end? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Like, and like seeing why certain moves happened when they did as well. Yeah. So it's almost like the the complete postmortem of the game, the play by play. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's yeah, it's interesting because when uh, you know uh, Nathan uh, Cox and I were talking about this sort of stuff as well, he was yeah really emphasizing that idea for you know for people who might have missed that 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 these kinds of games um, that have kind of even if there's multiple players, as long as there's open information. Um, that can be sort of shared then you know then this stuff can work really well in these sorts of formats that it's it's only when you then get to that sort of trick of you know multiple people needing to deal with um, multiple sets of hidden information that it can probably start to kind of cross into the too hard basket unless you buy one of these you know we talked a little bit about this crazy vorpal board thing that was kickstarted um, a while back where it even includes like it has a camera system so you can sort of you know like view the board on the table but then it even has like this special little box where you can put cards that are hidden information for people who aren't sitting at the table um but that gets yeah that gets wild yeah no i can imagine um, um so what other kinds of uh stuff other board games so far or beyond that has it been mostly the rpg stuff so those are those are the two that I'm doing on social. Uh, in terms of other board games, I've also downloaded Tabletop Simulator just yep. for that full kind of virtual experience. Uh, and I've been playing a really good uh, scripted version of Codenames uh, that works really well. Cool. Um, almost better than the Tabletop version simply <gasps> because 
it codes the like card selection and the matrix is very highlighted and always visible to the to the um the code masters the spy masters rather yeah, yeah because they can always see the board with the correct cards highlighted so there's yeah. none of those oh i misread this sort of thing <laughs> yes <laughs> that is a very legitimate problem that happens mm-hmm I've played a good version of Castles of Mad King Ludwig, which is uh, sort of like a a tableau builder where you're each building on rooms that go in this castle and you get different amounts of points for different rooms. Uh, But again, it's quite tactile and there's not too many moving pieces and too many cards. I found cards is the one thing that Tabletop Simulator doesn't do particularly well. Yeah, right. Yeah. We did uh, did touch on the fact that uh, apparently in the VR mode people – uh, for a while at least, people used to be able to look through the table and see the underside of the cards. Yeah, I have heard. <laughs> I have heard. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I haven't myself kind of used Tabletop Simulator yet. I, you know, I keep kind of not being sure if I should mess around with it or not. But if there's, I mean, you're right, like if there's some of that stuff yeah, in there, I was it sounds good. Such a holdout and I heard bad reports from so many people, but I, I took the plunge just because I figured, this was one of the only ways I was going to be able to get some board games in. <laughs> yep. Uh, and no regrets at all. Well, look, I mean, that's kind of fundamentally it, isn't it? This is the time when we are finally pulling the trigger and testing out the yep. reality of some of this stuff. And look, I know I had um, over in the, you know, the role playing domain, I've had a license for Fantasy Grounds for a very long time in my Steam account. Um, you know, and it supports so many games and you know, opens that door to kind of so many, like modules, everything is kind of in that system and it's mm-hmm. not cheap. And so it's like, well, you know, it must be good. It must be, I always felt like it must be the kind of the premium option within that kind of category. And once I finally installed it, you know, we've been setting up a game with some friends. I'm going to run Descent into Avernus from like 5th edition d Oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah really so, fun, really fun campaign. Yeah, you know, and it's like a bunch of my old uni mates. It's like, so everybody want to go to hell? And they're like, yes, let's do this. Um, and started trying to set it up. And it was like Fantasy Grounds looks like it belongs in some kind of 1990s operating system. And it just has like weird curses and weird um like just everything about sort of how the software runs feels like feels like it was designed like pre windows xp you know in in the past two weeks in the past two weeks i've done a session of two different DD games a session of 7c a session of warhammer fantasy and all of them uh were just a video call and dice whether it was like a dice roller in a Discord channel or just physical dice and the GM was like, yep, just tell me what it says. Yeah. And honestly, that worked better than any digital platform I've ever tried to use for a role-playing game. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's a really good topic because I was thinking about the same thing where, you know, for the first probably 20 years that I played D&D, we never ran combat on a table. You know, it was yeah. always just theatre of the mind and you know lots of dice rolling and lots of just talking and making it up you know and like just the old is there a chandelier well you know okay yeah i see where yeah, he's going with this land to swing off yeah one. exactly i will let him have a chandelier um and so yeah it's kind of funny that when we're now talking about trying to run this stuff digitally that we do sort of leap to that idea of going so how can i simulate the table mm-hmm. in a game that 
has so for so long it just yeah you like you can totally make up positional discussions you can let a rogue have advantage like because you're like well yeah of course you'd be able to get into a flanking position in this moment yeah because there's lots going on you know <laughs> and it's a rogue they're just going to complain till they've got advantage anyway so <laughs> so yeah but you know it was really fascinating at least to still finally pull the trigger on fantasy grounds played with it and then gone great i can uninstall that i'm never going to touch <laughs> it again <laughs> um whereas actually on the flip side of that i think we have found roll 20 has been really good um yeah, like definitely. Kind of, you know, there's a there's a learning curve there um, for the for the DM. Um, whereas I think for the players, it's fairly easy to just you know go with the flow. But even yeah, if you want that dudes on a map experience, um, I found Roll Twenty to be really good. Yeah, um, and you know, I've actually I've kind of been enjoying just going through that process of actually learning how to use it. It's like it it's nice when you go, okay, I can see the potential here. I want to learn some of the tricks. And mm-hmm. then as, you know, and actually it's been kind of faster than I expected to kind of realize, oh, okay, this is how I sort of like the, you know, the clever stuff of how it's got the three layers of, you know, an image that is essentially going to be your background. And then you can have the token layer, which is where players and other interactive objects sit. And then you can have this GM layer, um, which is where you've kind of got hidden things ready to drop into the token layer when you want to and yeah yeah yeah. i always really liked the um the fog of war and the line of sight stuff that they did in roll 20 yeah i think that stuff is great to have um and you know at first i kind of kept thinking it was more complicated than it is um because i kept sort of searching for the okay so but how does that work that you know when the person rounds the corner how can i tell blah 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 and it's like well there's kind of the two separate systems where you can have dynamic lighting which means you know you essentially put auras on tokens so that it shows you how much you can see around them versus yeah, the fog of war system of actually going well you can i mean you can kind of combo that with the dynamic lighting but you can also just as the gm go okay yep you're in that now I'll just draw the draw the box to go you can see down that hallway now yep. and it's like bang they can see it and suddenly it's like oh if parts of it are manual actually that does make it easier again rather than making it more complicated by trying to work out how you automate that stuff. So yeah, it's been really good so far. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Yeah. Um, I think one thing that has astounded me is the number and quality of dice roller bots for Discord. Oh, cool. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about those. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm trying to plan a Star Wars game which uses a custom dice set, and the dice roller I have found for this actually has a dice roll animation whenever you put in the roll code. Oh, that is great. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like there are so many digital tools, even on that low end, that yeah, if you want to role play in the current climate, you are dumb if you're not doing it. Yeah, because the best part is your players don't even have an excuse. Like, you yeah. know they can't go anywhere. <laughs> yes, they didn't exactly. forget about the session. You, I have to say you can take it very personally at the moment if someone decides they don't have time to play. 
Uh, no, not even can, should, yeah. should take it personally. <laughs> yes. Um, one of the other cool things actually we discovered when we were trying to work out where we would make our characters live for the Roll20 game mm-hmm. um, is realising that there is a nice uh, Chrome extension for Roll20 called Beyond20 and it basically lets you um, unify your D&D Beyond character sheet That's into fantastic. Roll20. Yeah. And so the biggest I am- thing. Mm-hmm. Such a fan of D and D Beyond. Yeah, it is so uh, like good. Having having permissions and being able to share those once you've got a campaign with all your players, so everyone gets the same books. Yeah, just having characters like when they've checked off HP and spell slots, just stay consistent session to session. Yeah, it just removes so much bookkeeping effort. Yeah, and like physically bookkeeping, as in making yeah. sure you've got the same piece of paper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and that's it. It's yeah. It's been so clever for like, and that's why I kind of wanted to get everybody's characters made in D and D Beyond. Because um, again, I you know back at Christmas, I just dropped a stack of cash on it because it was like, oh, there's a special on. That's all the excuse I needed. Get everything. Let me just have all of the all of the source books. Thanks very much. Um, and then. Uh, yeah, so super easy to be able to tell everybody. Yep, and I've ticked certain bo- books. Uh, yeah, books. Uh, as available mm-hmm. for creating a character, so just go for it, and then we can work out the details from there. Um, but yeah, the really clever bit with um, Beyond Twenty is uh, so from inside their character sheet, if we're sort of talking about something, and I say, okay, yeah, roll, um, yeah, roll a perception check, that they just click on that skill in their D and D Beyond sheet, and then it actually in the chat in Roll Twenty rolls the roll. Oh, that's crazy! Yeah, and it will even drop in like the um, the yeah the the text about a spell if someone's just cast a spell. Um, so it kind of makes that information available. Really, that is awesome. Yeah, and um, like I th- that is that is one of my favorite things about D and D Beyond as a tool. Just like being able to access that quick like reference spell details. Yeah, if you're if you're running a game and you're running the source book out of D and D Beyond, just being able to click and get like maps or monster references. Yeah. It's so useful, but being able to do that in Roll20 just is yeah. super cool. And, I mean, it even – I love that with an attack, it just kind of saves all the time as well by, again, if you click that attack on your character sheet, it rolls both the attack roll and it rolls all of the damage dice. So it just kind of straight up in that one click goes, you know, well, if – you know, here's the number and if it hit, here's the damage. Minimal That's fast. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, really, really, really great. Um, so, yeah, I think that has been kind of that nice thing of finding that the two of those things means, you know, we'll be able to really just comfortably run the game and then like and just kind of minimise a lot of that fast. We did find the video system in Roll20 a little bit flaky um, mm-hmm. in that I think we had five of us. Um, it's based on like WebRTC tech, so it's kind of, you know, like, cutting edge i guess as far as web tech goes for integrating it all into html basically um but it yeah yeah we'd have the thing where like one person i couldn't hear them but three other people could hear them but one other person couldn't (laughs) and there's even like a little reconnect button on on your kind of face um so clearly you know when you're like they make it that easy to reconnect you're like that's because it flakes out a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> um, but apparently yep. you can choose. I haven't seen where the settings are, but you can kind of opt to make it hook into just using Google Hangouts and integrate that way. Um, but still just, you know, particularly if you're on a laptop or something, yeah, and you want to see each other's faces, I mean, that's always its own question. Um, but, yeah, you know, you can 
it would be nice to kind of only need that one window open so that you could see the faces down at the bottom, you could see the board, you can see the chat, um, and then you'd probably just, you know, alt-tab back to your character sheet, you know, when you are doing character sheet stuff. But, yeah, really yeah. good experience so far. Yeah. No, that that sounds really cool. Yeah. I think um, I did notice as well actually in there, yeah, for non-D&D stuff, Roll20 actually, the thing that really jumped out at me when I was messing around with the dice systems was it has a button where you can go, oh, yeah, I want to do, they have like compounding options and things and basically it says in brackets, shadow run. And you're like, that is really helpful because, you know, that huh. whole roll of six and then you get to kind of keep, you know, re-rolling and adding it on. Yep. Um, so it has the system there for being able to set a target number and then do a compound dice roll. And, again, it'll, like, throw all the dice at once for you and tell you how many successes you got. So it's kind of great that it's not just D20 only. It's, like, it's supportive of lots of different styles of of tabletop stuff and it even has a few like board games and stuff built into it. So I hadn't explored any of that, but it was interesting to notice that I think, you know, it's most famous for its supportive, you know, D&D type stuff because they definitely foreground that a lot. Um, but, yeah, cool to see that it's worth having a look at if you like playing other sorts of stuff as well. Yeah, I should definitely check that out because my, my only Roll20 experience was actually an in-person game. Yeah, um, right. And I think... Oh, yeah, kind of using weird, that as, right? the, yeah, as the board, right? As the board. Uh, and I found that a little bit, I guess, disorienting or yeah, a bit yeah. jarring to have like a screen up like it was an office meeting sort of thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, did you, um, with any of the other sort of stuff you've been doing, have you used then like, you know, Zooms or house parties or anything like that alongside it or just voice chat or, you know? So what we've been doing is uh, there's a dev tool in Discord where if everyone joins voice chat and clicks the link, uh, you get everyone sharing uh, video cameras like it's a Zoom or like it's a Hangout. Ah. Yeah, right. And so that's actually a tool built into Discord or it's like a, a hook type thing for another? I'm not sure. A friend gives me a magic link and I don't ask questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yep. <laughs> that's cool. No, that, yeah, that's really, really awesome. Wow. Yeah. Um, I know we've kind of used, I mean, look, everybody's talking about Zoom these days, but we definitely, um, for our kind of practice session, we started uh, messing around with House Party. and yep. I've heard it's good. Yeah, and, like, there's definitely a bit of latency, um, you know, it's, but mostly that thing where you go, oh, if I look really carefully, I notice that their voice isn't in sync with their face, but I'm not going to be looking that closely most of the time. Um, and one of the things we noticed for playing, um, you know, for a game like D&D was um, you could, if you click on someone's face, you can send them a private message. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so it's like just sharing notes off on the side, you know, classic mm -hmm. role-playing type scenario. Um, yep. Yeah, really handy to kind of notice that that is just something that, it, you know, it's not like I have to then, you know, like there'd be so many tools where I'm like, oh, now I have to kind of open a secondary chat window to have a private chat with that person. Just it was like click on the face. Oh, yep, there's a chat box. I send that person a one-on-one -on -one message. So that mm -hmm. kind of stuff is really handy um, out of gate on that. And I just you know, probably need to flag that there's been all this kind of weird, crazy rumor mongering about House Party being like evil and, and stealing and hacking and stuff. And I'm like, um, it is such, from everything I've read from actual expert voices, they're like, that's not a thing that it's doing. And <laughs> I mean, Epic Games owns this. They're just, 
they're just like they're not trying and to steal so many your data. Other ways to get your data. <laughs> right? Yeah. They already have all of your children's data. If you have anyone in your house under the age of 14 and who plays Fortnite, they've got it all. They don't need any more. Adults are boring. Why would we steal your details? <laughs> yeah, you all opted in if you're an adult anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah. So putting that aside, I think there's also like there are games built into House Party, I think, trivia and stuff. Oh, cool. Yeah, but like I haven't <laughs> I didn't notice that button and I didn't press that button. Um, That's not what you were there for. No. And like you can instantly screen share as well in um, House Party and stuff like that as well if you need to. Like, was- I, I will say that is, I think, the one downside I found with Tabletop Simulator, speaking of other tools and things. Yeah, right. There's a lot of like drawing tools that if you draw, everyone sees. So most games that I've played have just devolved into people <laughs> doing doodles on the table. <laughs> and probably literal doodles at times, I imagine. Well, more than once. Yeah. It's, a, it's a non-zero doodle amount. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, uh, I think with the um, – what was the thing? I said? Oh, yeah. And um, the thing that was handy about the kind of the – um yeah house party screen sharing thing was and look i mean not that screen sharing is like somehow a special feature uh, <laughs> but the thing that we found was helpful was while we were trying to make roll 20 work again work nicely and i was sitting there during that first session going like oh can you guys see the three caravans on this like road that's uh, and they're, they're like we just see a road <laughs> And I'm like, and you're like, cool, it's working. No, at the time I was like, why can't they see the caravans? Because <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't learned enough yet. I hadn't worked out the layers. Um, but so I was able to screen share and go, okay, so when you're looking at my screen now, it's not. I'm not imagining things. You can see three caravans, right? And then they're like, yes. Okay, yes, we can. So there's clearly some kind of clever thing going on that means they're hidden on our map. It's like, okay. At least I'm not going mad. <laughs> so, yeah, that was helpful. Um, I'm trying to think what else is kind of big around this space at the moment. I haven't kind of heard like so much of the kind of public discussion at the moment about catching up together is essentially just about having drinking sessions on Zoom. And yeah. in no way am I reducing the value of doing that kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, it feels like... I'm already starting to hear that first wave of people going, well, this is the second week and I think I'm going to get bored of just switching on Zoom to chat to some friends while I drink on my own, Um, that it's like people are just about to crest that wave and go, so how do we play stuff through this? (laughs) And that's where hopefully, yeah, it's like hopefully we can help people work work that out and get on that journey. No, absolutely. Uh, I will say it's also a renaissance for play-by-post, which are the best things for people who are working remotely through the workday. I like very old-school forum role-playing where every so often you could just jump in and make your post and it's totally asynchronous. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to remember. uh, What was it? Was it? um, I used to play a... a, I remember I used to play a play by play by mail, like play by email. Um, was it Reach for the Stars? Or like it was really old school. Like it was essentially almost like text based. And it was essentially, you know, all the races, um, all the alien races from Star Trek, and but then you could also have choose races from like Star Wars, and mm-hmm. it was just all these different sci-fi races. 
And but the old system was literally the you know you would email the file. There was a turn order, and so you would just know who's the person I need to email it to next, and you would copy that file um, and you know and send it. Oh my and god! It, I mean. This was so 90s. This was dial-up era where it was like, I can't send somebody a, like a three megabyte file via the, yeah, because I suddenly realized that we used to actually post those discs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so old. <laughs> we really did used to post the discs because it's yeah, like, it's wait a minute. we're playing board games remotely. You take a Polaroid and you mail that to someone for their turn. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So certainly, um, I mean, what other games are there that, you know, because, I mean, right, the classic game with chess, it has notation. Are there other mm-hmm. games that have clear notation? Classic kind of risk type stuff has notation, uh, doesn't Battleship it? Battleship you could play. You, you really could, couldn't you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. People could also cheat, I guess. But, again, they could cheat it. You, you can always cheat in Battleship. Yeah. I've actually been trying to, like, look at my shelf on what games you could play um, yeah. remotely like this. I think King Domino could be a cute one, uh, which is just like dominoes, but you're trying to match up terrain types in a kingdom to score the most points. But, again, like on your turn, you make one choice and then it goes on your board and that's it. Yeah. And that's it. You need that clarity about yeah what's happening on each turn because again yeah. when you think about battleship it's like well you don't know where the other person put their ships so there's a real honor system there for them to not just move where their ships are yeah. geez you had a really unlucky run there uh missing everything yeah, until like you missed literally every every ship every time it's it's a perfect grid it's uncanny yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah then you then you just have to start using like a real mathematical system to uh, yeah. grid out that board. Um, no, nothing else leaps to mind for me at the moment. But uh, look, I have no doubt that over coming weeks, we're going to discover more and more of these things that work, and particularly in that context of um, stuff that you don't even need the board involved with when all said and done. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm thinking about some of the, no, all, yeah, none of the betrayal stuff would work. Oh, um, I am very keen to get some games of Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective happening. Ooh. Which the the really really the only hard things that you need are um, there's a directory of addresses in London and a big map of London, and everything else is almost a choose your own adventure style book. Yeah. So you get a, a Holmes mystery, classic Holmes style mystery, and using the directory and the map of London and just the text that gets read out when you visit a location. You try to work out what happened in a crime and who to visit next and what leads to follow. Yeah. So, so long as one person has that basic book um, and everyone else has access to the map and the directory and the newspapers is the other one, you can kind of just feel your way through the game with one person reading out all the entries. Yeah. Yeah, that works. And, and now, actually, you may be because I'm, I, I have a very soft spot in my heart for Scotland Yard. Um, mm hmm. And which again is, you know, hidden Mr. X, um, who appears a few times through the game. Um, not, you know, not necessarily one that would work all that well on the sort of the Twitter scheme of things, but just as something that I could totally play with some friends based on yeah. you know, photos of the board and having, you know, certain people where it's four players or whatever, you where you go, Yep, okay, you're that colored guy, you're you're flagging which way that person is gonna move through the game. Um, that would work, yeah, really comfortably. Yeah, no, no, I think it would. I think, like, one of the themes that keeps coming up in games that would work are 
deduction games where one when where where one player holds all the hidden information. Yeah, yeah, and so they can essentially. I mean, they're like being like a DM in a sense. Yeah, they're yeah. just they're managing yeah. the board state and the thing that you are fighting against. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, cool. Look, I think we'll wrap it up there. That's some um, hopefully more tips for people on a few things they can explore. I I really do feel like there's a big takeaway as well in general having kind of now been messing around with this stuff is, yeah, don't even worry about the tools so much as just particularly in the role-playing space, just get back to the old school way of just having a chat with people and, you know, even like forget the modules for a while. I'd be like, just get back to running some dungeon crawls, you know? Yeah. I mean, get together, beat some things up, hand out some treasure. <laughs> don't even need a dice roller if you trust your friends. Yeah. And look, I think, right, it's a, I would have to say it's like, you know, that old, if, if your friends are adult enough <laughs> that you realize that sometimes embracing the bad role is more fun than just trying to succeed all the time that mm-hmm. then you really do get into that space where people kind of just get, yeah, oh, boy, did I screw up that one. Okay, what <laughs> happened next? Tell me what happens to me and how bad is it going to hurt? Yep. It's like that can always, you know, that's often where the most fun lies is <laughs> down that trajectory of failure. Thank you again for coming by. Um, Thank uh, you yeah. for having me. Pleasure, I, I, as always. We should tell people where to uh, find you if they want to follow you online or if they want to follow the PAX Australia account and join in one of your games. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So you can find me online, Twitter mostly, at LG Lancaster. Um, you can see the PAX Twitter account, at PAX Oz. Uh, it's on Facebook as well as PAX Australia. Uh, if you're looking for some more tabletop goodness, you can check out my D&D podcast called I Speak Giant, which is where all good podcasts are found. Um, and yeah, come play some games. We should play some games, Seamus. We've yeah, not played any games. We really should. All right, we will make this stuff happen. Uh, also, I just want to have a quick nod to B. Dave Walters, who he plays a lot of uh, live play D&D events. He plays a lot of vampire stuff, live play. Um, really cool guy to follow on Twitter, B. Dave Walters. Uh, he, I noticed recently, was running essentially like a you know, choose your own adventure style vampire game over Twitter using polls so that... Oh, that is great. Yeah. Um, so we actually did a, a similar thing last year for a minute on the PAX account called PAX Quest, which was just a very dumb Zork style... That's right. ...choose your own adventure <laughs> style thing. And we'll probably do another one soon because why not? Yeah. So, you know, that's it. You know, definitely just another one of those options up the sleeve there is you, you can always, you know, particularly if you, if someone like him where he's got a good following of people who love the role-playing um, mm-hmm. and just every time I'd bump into it, I'd be like, sure, I'm going to throw my two cents worth into what's going to happen next. <laughs> yeah, especially if it's something like a poll. It's one click, yeah. you know. Um, so, yeah, that was really, really fun to watch. Um, so, but, yeah, just actually realising that in that context of some of the board game stuff, you could almost, you know, wear... Instead, you know, instead of waiting for someone to chime in on certain options, you could always kind of poll people for, for you know, what is the next move. Like in the, you know, in my now that I've got Scotland Yard in my brain, it's like there are only certain options available on each turn, uh, and yeah, therefore yeah. you could easily poll what the people are going to do on that turn. I might do that on the bite side account sometime. That could be a bit of fun. Yeah, that sounds awesome. 
Anyway, yes, back to wrapping up the show. <laughs> Thank you, Luke. Uh, you can find me. I'm I'm Seamus Byrne. I'm at Seamus on Twitter, at Biteside on Twitter and Biteside on Facebook and The Biteside on Instagram. But anyway, you'll find all that stuff at Biteside.com along with all the other podcasts. Until next time, keep rolling those virtual dice. 